Hello, everybody. You're listening to The Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 38. Could you beat a fat Ricky hat? Chillians, and welcome back to the Big Chill Podcast. I'm Frank, joined as always with Eddie and Sam. Big hello to all our new listeners. Hopefully we've got some good Kentucky Derby controversy to talk about, which I'm kind of excited because we don't really talk American horse racing very much. So it's great to have well, a, a, a great reason to talk about it. Frank, I think, <laughs> I think this kind of explains why we don't talk about American horse racing that much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a bit yeah. of a blow on it. It's quite possibly. But yeah, before we get into that, how are you guys doing? How's how's your weekend? It was okay. It was the first what it was the first time in a while that it actually felt like a weekend for me because the last year has all been like one massive blur where a Wednesday feels exactly the same as a Saturday. But this was the first weekend probably since last March where it legitimately felt like a weekend. So that was kind of a strange feeling in some respects, but uh, I didn't love it. I like, I actually, it turns out I didn't mind every weekday feeling like a weekend, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's fine. It's good here. Um, everything's kind of blurring into one, really, with lockdown, but that's all coming to a slow end wow, Sam, in the UK. You're, you're being a real, there's no energy coming from you right now. No, there's zero energy. I, I'm just so bored about talking about it, right? It just seems to be the definition of like the opening shot to anyone's day or how they are. It was Mother's Day in the States, but not in Europe, right? No. Ours no. Is a different week. Ours is like March. In, or, yeah, the yeah. UK one's already happened and the one in France is the end of the month. Yeah, so that was a big weekend. Wish, wish your mother a happy Mother's Day, even if it isn't. Mother's Day in your country at the moment. Just just send her a message. She'll appreciate it. <laughs> the first bit sounded weirdly threatening. <laughs> yeah, or else I, I will. Know where that was going. <laughs> I don't know what you're going to say. But speaking of mothers, this weekend I went down a little bit of a YouTube rabbit hole because I like to watch movies and TV shows in segments. And uh, I somehow ended up on a How I Met Your Mother little clip spree, I guess watched a lot of various clips of focusing on the different characters or plot lines. And it got me thinking, has there ever been a show that's been as popular as how I met your mother was at the time that it was on that is now so irrelevant and basically never spoken about? Yeah. I can only remember that program being like the, the etiquette of going out with people or dating people or bro codes and stuff like that. But I can't remember any like, famous lines or speeches from it but I, I remember it being massive at the time for sure i mean it was what on about, tv for nine years what about all those ones that were kind of more like the teenage drama ones like oc gossip girl like oc but even, like people still talk about gossip girl but no one ever talks about oc anymore and that was came, super popular but didn't didn't the oc come back on netflix or something not that long ago and it kind of got a a little bit of a bump. I, I do agree with you. The OC, when I think of like the OC is probably the TV show of my high school experience. Like yeah, it was the biggest it. show. 
I feel like Gossip Girl was your life. <laughs> I, just, I feel like what, this just every TV show we name, Sam's is like, nope, nope, never seen an episode. No, OC, How I Met Your Mother, Gossip Girl. Uh, how I, I mean, in fairness, I've never. Gossip Girl, maybe a couple, accidentally. Ooh, what about Seventh Heaven? <laughs> accidentally. Don't even know what um, that is. A little too old. <laughs> yeah, that's old. 90s. I mean, then yeah. Jessica Beale came out of that, so. Thank God for that. I'll tell you one that probably hasn't aged well, The Cosby Show. <laughs> that's for different reasons. Yeah, that's... You don't see that on TV anymore. How I Met Your Mother definitely hasn't aged well because of the Barney character. There are elements there that would not be acceptable I, in today's culture. I mean, was it also really that good? I think I always thought it was a little overhyped. I think it was probably overhyped. Rewatching some of the clips, like I watched it when it was on TV. I didn't love it, but it was one of those shows that at the time it was on kind of just made my regular viewing schedule. Rewatching some of the clips, I think maybe it was a, I was mildly nostalgic for that era in my life because it is kind of like a prime. It is my university years and the few years after university for me. So it's kind of like a, a nice spot in my life. If anything, I could almost argue life's gone downhill since how I met your mother went off the air. I don't know if the two <laughs> things are linked. It's it's me and the cast of how I met your mother, who I think are suffering the most as a result of it's no longer being there. But uh, but I it was funnier than I remembered it being. So you wouldn't go back and rewatch any of it. You would just well, he just clip it. He said he doesn't really watch. TV episode, you just watch part. I don't. Of yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't rewatch TV shows or movies, but I do watch clips of. There are moments when there will be like eight YouTube, like Field of Dreams, for example. The other day, I watched. There's like eight or nine long clips of Field of Dreams on YouTube. I just watched all of them. That's really strange. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they're not even in order. Right. Like, so I watched the movie completely out of sequence, but just saw the and, and also some key moments are missing. Still made me really sad, though, when his dad came back. Wait, have you not seen the movie? This is all you've seen of the movie? No, no, or? no, 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 no. I, I don't do this for movies or TV shows I haven't seen. This is oh, like a okay. rewatching experience where I'm kind of like, oh, I enjoyed this bit. I'll, I'll watch that. And then that might. If I then enjoy that, that dipping my toe back into the movie, if I like that, then I might be like, I'll watch the next clip and I'll watch the next one. And I don't mind that I've gone from clip six to clip one. That's okay. How long were these clips? I'm probably two minutes to three minutes long. Oh, okay. Because I was thinking if they're like eight to ten and you watch like no, nine or ten of them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't watch. The, it, it did not take the length of the movie. But no, it, it hit it. And look, in Field of Dreams, it hit all of the key moments that kind of pull at your heartstrings a little bit. Did you bit. cry? No. But it, it, it's, it doesn't get you far off, that final scene. Good scene. If I would watch the entire movie, it may well have made me cry. The fact that I was watching it in out-of-order clips meant <laughs> that it didn't have quite the same impact on me emotionally. I'm guessing the director didn't intend on me seeing my, kind of like the, the Edward cut that I put together. But... Uh, but it was still good. I can double segue off of your How I Met Your Mother. We, for Mother's Day, went to a uh, hibachi restaurant. You know what that is? Like the Japanese table where they cook at the table. 
Yes. It's a big flat top. Sam, do you know what we're talking about? Or are you just I, staring nowhere? It's, it sounded self-explanatory from the table chopping a table. <laughs> like it's, okay. But it always it always reminds me of Parks and Rec, the councilman jam where he has one in his kitchen and goes, I want to make us authentic Japanese of breakfast. And he makes scrambled eggs on the thing. <laughs> It's so bad. Uh, it's so good. And he says he likes all things Chinese. And then he says almost nothing is Chinese. I think he says like Lucy Liu, Nintendo, Gangnam Style. <laughs> it's just so bad. I like but, yeah, your, much, much, I like much your, like How I Met Your Mother. That probably hasn't aged very well. But it's different because that's obviously satire on people doing it. You know, it's a little different. It's kind of like the Barney that character Barney thing is wasn't... I don't think that is. I think that's people really looked up to how cool he was. I don't think there's anyone that looked up to Councilman Jam and is like, I'm like him. I like Chinese stuff too. Love Nintendo. You know, I think they get the joke that they're like, they're making fun of people that are that ignorant. I think you underestimate how stupid people are. <laughs> <laughs> and they call me but, the optimist. <laughs> are, are you a fan of the hibachi or the Benihana? Um, I am not. <laughs> The real reason I'm not into it is because whenever I've been to it, it's not been like a private thing. So you're just sitting there with some random people and that I don't have any interest in. Oh, you mean at the table? Because otherwise that is the idea of a restaurant, right? (laughs) That you just sit in a room with random people. In a room, yes, but I rarely share a table. Uh, The only two times. You're sharing the table with them. The only two times I I share a table with people at a random restaurant is the hibachi experience and wagamamas. Wagamamas. Those are the only two. Wagamamas. The, wagamamas. It is an Asian, uh, like, fast, well, not fast They food, call like, it, like, sushi bento cuisine-style food, but... It's it's a it's an English... <laughs> is like, that the official term? <laughs> He's just so, said, so, just I, said no, 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 it sushi bento said, cuisine. Uh, no, no, I'm pretty sure they, that's how they... <laughs> that was your Parks and Rec moment. <laughs> I'll just say Asian, I'll say Asian words I know. Uh, I think it's sushi bento samurai, uh, <laughs> like something like that. Oh, dear. Yeah, maybe. I don't yeah, think it's for... sushi bento because there's not much bento about Wagamamas because bento obviously oh. is the... Hang on. It's the box. Yeah. Yeah, boxes. And then in, it's also not sushi. <laughs> so <laughs> I I now realize what's happened. So there's a place in Guildford that was actually called Sushi Bento. And it did similar okay. thing to Wagamama. So that's why I got right. well, Wagamama is a, a pretty popular chain. It's a lot of the like soups and noodles kind of thing. That's like it's a go-to. It. But they have the way they feed you is that you sit at big communal tables. It's like kind of going into a like a nice cafeteria almost. Okay. You order your food and they don't bring it to you in like any kind of order. As soon as your food is ready, it gets brought to you. So like if you sit down with five people and you order some starters, a main course and a dessert, if if your main course is ready before your starter, your main course just gets brought to you. And so like we the three of us could be sitting there and like I could get my I went on a date there and she got all three of her courses before I'd received one. So it, it leads to like quite an awkward inter- interaction. Is that like purposeful? I'm, I'm Not that they want to do that, but purposeful in the sense that they don't care. Like they don't have the initiative to try and time it up. They're just I giving it to you as fast but as possible. Maybe it's just that doesn't I, sound very good. Well, they just cook it in the 
maybe if they're cooking off a lot of an ingredient, maybe there's some sort of like efficiency to be had. I don't know. There's a there's an English comedian who has like a pretty good. I don't want to like rip him off because he's got a pretty good bit making fun of Wagamamas, but like his argument is like, can you remember how long it took you to make it last time? Then just make that and subtract that from the time I want it to be ready. Like he just runs through <laughs> just like the basic restaurant concept. But for them, it's literally like you've ordered it, we'll start cooking it. Like that's it. Like we don't think about anything. And when I was a student, it was kind of a, it's pretty cheap and it's actually like not bad food for how, you know, like the price that you pay and it's pretty filling. So it's got a lot going for it if you're a student. But if you're going to Wagamama's as a non student experience, they opened one in Paris and it was actually quite nice, but it, it shut down pretty quickly. See, now the, the hibachi experience is the opposite for me because it's one very slow because they're like doing entertainment while cooking your food. So it's slowing down the process, which like I would just want to eat. Just give me my food and let me eat. I don't need to see you make volcanoes out of onions and things like that. Do and they number really two, do it's that? very expensive. <laughs> oh, yeah. Every time. That's like you have to do that. If you don't get that, I think you get your money back. <laughs> is this the kind of stuff where they like, it's on like stone and it's getting like sizzled on stone and then they flip it in the air and stuff like that? Yes. You've it's definitely like seen it in a movie. Top. And then like they'll flip the food up yeah. and like you have to catch it in your mouth and stuff. You've seen but it in a movie. Really the guy's expensive. wearing the hat and like it's a, like a U-shaped table. You're sitting around him and yeah. he's like chopping stuff and spraying oil on it and the fire comes off and things like that. And, I got it. Yeah. I got it. I yeah. got it. But I mean, like you get basically we got chicken teriyaki, some fried rice and vegetables and it's triple the price if you just went to a standard Chinese restaurant without the flair of the grill. So, yeah, I'm not I'm not a huge I don't I don't need to be entertained while I'm eating. If I want to be entertained, I'll just watch the TV behind them. Like, <laughs> oh, there's a TV in there. <laughs> yeah, at the bar. There's like TVs at the oh, bar. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's a TV of a guy actually just doing the hibachi <laughs> on the TV as well. <laughs> like a how to. <laughs> now, that brings up a good point, Sam, uh, Frank, even, because you talked about things that might entertain you. And I want to know, did DK Metcalf's 100-meter sprint entertain you? Yeah, I, not to sound like I know what I'm talking about, but it went exactly how I thought it was going to go. I mean, he is a very fast athlete, but the issue is he's just too big. He, I mean, he's got the length to be a sprinter and he's obviously got the muscle to be a sprinter, but he has too much upper body muscle that it, it slows him down. Like his first 30, 40 meters, he was right with them. It's just that his top end speed can't be as fast because he has to push an extra probably 40 pounds off of those guys at least. I mean, the, the heaviest guy in there was probably 200. So he's pushing an extra 50 pounds and that you're, you can't sustain a high enough speed if you're him, which, but right? doesn't that make the entire exercise kind of pointless? Like we knew the thing, the reason why I found it kind of dull and Sam might agree with me, but like we knew he was fast and like, I mean, almost every NFL wide receiver, right. Is, is pretty fast. to very fast. So it's yeah. no surprise that they're going to run a say sub 11 second hundred meter with minimal training, but like kind of why bother in, like yep. it's it just seems like this pointless almost PR stunt of like yeah we knew you were quick but you're not that quick yeah for sure for me this is yeah. a complete 
it's a vanity exercise, right? It's like guy that runs fast, runs fast. If anything, the thing that bugs me is the whole reason for doing it in the first place, because he's not getting in because he must know what you've just said, right? The upper body, you know, the extra muscle he's got, the extra weight he's got, but yet he's trying to get in the Olympics. What's the, now the yeah, real the question, the, re, the, the real question I've got, if you're a hundred meter sprinter, does this kind of annoy you? Yes. Like, is this a, like, do you find it mildly insulting that someone thinks I can just step into it and, and kind of compete right off the bat? No, because I, th- I think it makes them look quite good because here's a guy who last year, you know, was touted as the fastest NFL play ever in the history when he runs down Buda Baker, you know, and people endlessly talk about it. And then he gets on a track and he can't even win the prelim heat of a random meet in California. I, th- I mean, I think that makes every speaker no, the, say like, hey, look, you think he's fast, but we are actually really freaking fast. No, the outcome might please them. I mean, more just him getting involved in the first place. Like he if you were a sprinter. Up. He just rocks up uh, for an Olympic I don't know. It's, qualifying It's, it's bringing event. attention to the sport. So of, of running too mad. or NFL sort of, yeah. I can't name anyone else who was in that. <laughs> well, maybe, but what was the last hundred meter race you watched? I mean, that was broadcast live. Oh, that literally was a random preliminary heat at. I like, stopped when Linford Christie was disqualified in 1996. <laughs> I gave up on the, I gave up on the hundred meters. <laughs> But that's all about like, him. I, I don't mind it. I, I don't mind it as as a stunt. I mean, it's it's it is what it is. I think it worked out decently well for everyone. Where he gets to look fast, sprinters get to look very fast. There's a little light on the sport. It can be a good talking point. I think but, there would have been more trouble had he done well. But that's what I don't get as well. He just came out and he was like, "Oh, it's been such an honor to run with these people." It's like, why? This is what they do. Like, would you? Would he be annoyed if some runner just randomly turned up in the NFL and was just like, "Oh, it's, it's been great playing with all these NFL guys." You know, I think these. <laughs> that was the least. <laughs> that was the least like sporty you've ever yeah. sounded in your life. Sam. <laughs> yeah, that was but... like listening. That was like listening <laughs> to the guy who knows nothing about sports being like at a bar, being like, "So, do you guys see the game? Like, yeah. like good game last How night? How about right? that like... ball game last night? <laughs> those sports teams." <laughs> Coming off the heels of our TV show talk and then him saying that we are a sports podcast legitimately. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just so you know. Yeah. I mean, Sam doesn't really know what he's talking about, but he knows more than he just gave off. Yeah. But either way, I I think it's kind of, I think it's a little bit degrading to runners that this guy just rocks up. Degrading. Wow. That is a strong word. But I do. I just think it, it doesn't. I just think these these people train on the track for these people. Yeah, these <laughs> wow. Oh, runners. Sam's getting canceled. Sam, should I just remove you from this right now? I can do it. We can just save ourselves some time. And I can just make an announcement on our Twitter. No, I'm making a stand. I'm making a stand. These people were degraded. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I just think wow. it. Let's I move think. on before you do legitimately get yourself canceled. Oh, fine. Okay. Speaking of someone who's getting canceled in sports oh, media right go. now, nice. Nice. Bob Baffert is having himself a rough week. So for those who haven't seen, last week the Kentucky Derby was won by Medina Spirit, a Bob Baffert-trained horse, who this weekend had tested positive for dexamethasone. 
uh, which is an anti-inflammatory steroid. It tested double the legal limit that's supposedly allowed by the Churchill Downs, I think, or Kentucky racing, because every state has their own authority. Um, so a few things about this before we kind of discuss it. That's now his fifth, the fifth positive test for a Baffert trained horse in the past year. That's the second one to test positive for dexamethasone. So Gamine also tested positive and he was fined $1,500 and oh. uh, Gamine was like ruled out of being third place at the Oaks was disqualified. But then, then he won the appeal on that. Then, His fine was upped to 10000 but they were okay. reinstated. The other two that he tested positive for that last year was testing positive for lidocaine, which that's the only one to me. His, his excuse or his story was that there was a trainer using lidocaine on their hands and constant touching of the horses kind of got it into the horse's system, which is feasible. I mean, a lot of people use lidocaine, you know, like for muscle injuries mm -hmm. and pain, like Ben Gay and all that. It's, I mean, that's, it's pretty heavily used in the U.S. Yeah, but it's feasible if okay it happens. That one. It's feasible if it happens to other horses. <laughs> it, it doesn't seem to. It seems to happen to his horses. And that's his excuse this time yeah. around. Also, I feel like you'd have to be dipping yourself in Ben Gay because like, we're forgetting how just big horses are. So... <laughs> Just to absorb, but I think any of it is. I think just any trace is. But it's got to be absorbed. Like it's not like if I yeah. dip Ben Gay on yeah, the yeah. horse. So like you have to be, like honestly, your hands. You have to be approaching that horse. I think with just sopping wet hands every time. You're like, ah, I've, my, I've got, I've got really stiff knuckles. I mean, I could, but what if like someone has to change all the shoes on the horse? And then in between, their hands hurt so much that they throw it on and do it. I mean, listen, I'm not saying... <laughs> That's going to go down well. Is. You can imagine in the hearing, <laughs> like, what if some guy was doing this? It's like, no. But Eddie, let, let me put it this way. That one is somewhat believable. His... <laughs> I mean, only if I just... Wait, you wait, had wait, to bring... Wait. No, no, no. Just to bring in the guy coming into the hearing, which is I have to come in like... <laughs> Be on a wheelchair, just screaming in pain. Just, just like I have to, I have to have Ben Gay applied to myself every thirty seconds, or else it's just pure agony. Maybe I think that one's more believable because his newest excuse for this one is that he had a trainer or a assistant, a barn assistant, who was taking um, some sort of ingredient, um, some sort of drug that had the dexamethasone in it then that trainer was peeing in the stalls and the horse was eating the piss stained hay that he peed on enough that the horse then tested positive that is what bob baffert has come out and said is the most likely reasoning for this horse testing positive <laughs> i mean look even if his ex <laughs> let's take his excuses entirely at face value and let's assume let's give him the benefit of the doubt he just looks bad because he's running this multi, multi-million dollar operation in which trainers are applying substances to their hands that he should be aware run a risk of his horses failing tests. And he's taking care of horses that are worth, you know, millions to not tens of millions of dollars at a time. And people are just pissing on yeah. their hay and then watching them consume it. Like even if he's correct, it makes him look awful as a trainer. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I thought was really interesting was 
he was talking about how in California, they're so regulated that everything has to be on the record. And his comment was, you know, like we have all the records and we'll show you all the records of everything this horse was given. And dexamethasone was not one of them. But it's like, yeah, duh. Do you think, do you think oh, like you're going to add it on the open sports, like, like put that on their thing? Like, oh, by the way, I am taking HGH and a bunch of other legal supplements. <laughs> I just want to be up front and tell you that. So we're good, right? Like, we'll yeah, ignore it. It's not going to yeah. be on the ledger. Yeah. yeah. No. And, and look, in a, so this morning I spoke with um, someone who runs one of the horse racing operations for a team that had a, another horse in the, in the derby. And their feeling on it, which I thought was interesting because I always think it's it's not one of satisfaction. It's not like good thing Baffert was getting caught and, you know, he we feel like he deserves it. It was more just it's a complete, it's a total black eye for the sport as a whole, mm-hmm. which I think I now, honestly, I now assume almost all good horses in the U.S. are doping. Like it's it's yeah. it's kind of at the like Tour de France level where it's just like, yeah, look. If you're winning the Kentucky Derby, I'm going to assume you're you're doping. Yeah, there's always that perception. Now, there's there's too much of it within U.S. horse racing, similar to what you said about Tour de France, similar to what you said about like kind of Russian athletes as well during the like um, late um, tens. Now, <laughs> yeah, now there's now, a reason they're not now, in the Olympics, right? Now, since what 2008, since Beijing, basically, this has all come out. Yeah, but that's the point that's that's also the problem with it is that it keeps happening which means that it's a black mark on the authorities that they don't stamp it out it's a blot on the trainers because they don't do anything to try and counteract it like fire the barn assistant if it's a barn assistant you fire him you put him out and you, you kind of string him up basically and say this is Oof. the guy that ruined it like, but except the issue is there's there has to be i there has to be a level of responsibility on the on be on the as the trainer, if you're having multiple infringements as a cause as a result of you supposedly your staff not being up to standard. Like that is you after a while. Hmm. Like one incident, okay, that's your one bad apple within your organization. But when it's like, well, every couple of years we've got a different person in here who just doesn't know how to behave. That's that's your fault after a certain period of time. Yeah. And it's, I think what also makes this unfortunate is he's one, obviously such a highly decorated trainer, right? I mean, if you took this race away, he now doesn't hold it, but currently he holds the record for most Kentucky derbies. I mean, he's got tons of grade one horses. So you have this type of trainer who's every once in a while having a positive test in the absolute spotlight. And then this is backed off of, I think, was it last year or two years ago when uh, service in Navarro had that enormous scandal where they were like paying veterinarians under the table illegally to give all their horses PEDs. And it was like the maximum security was, he was a trainer of maximum security who won, but then lost the Derby, not because of that, but also was tested positive later on. So like, that was a huge scandal where now they're in trial and they're going to, they're going to go to jail and almost a dozen people are going to be tried and everything. So you have a huge scandal that took the sport last year. And now you have your biggest trainer also kind of every now it looks like four, six months kind of having a positive test. So it it looks terrible for American horse racing. It It does not look good at all. Speaking of which, so he's entered, so the horse has entered Medina spirits entered in the Preakness, right? Coming up. Um, yes. has there been any sort of news on, cause I haven't seen it. Have the authorities come out and said they're, they're kind of disqualified until the hearings continued or what's the, um, 
so I think they're still waiting on the final confirmation of the test, which should have been out, I think, today or tomorrow. And then they'll probably go forward from there. I think I saw that the horse was still on its way to Preakness, but Baffert was not. <laughs> uh, whatever that means, I don't I don't really know. But um, yeah, I, I don't I, I think if it becomes back positive, I can see him being ruled out of the Preakness, which then really sucks because about four or five other horses like second down didn't go to the Preakness because, you know, they have no shot at the Triple Crown and whatever, you know, you have the one who won the Derby and we couldn't beat it here. So chances are we can't beat it at Preakness. Now have all lost out on an opportunity to either win, you know, the second leg of the Triple Crown, win significant money, and especially the horse now who will have been first in uh, Mandaloon could still be defending for a Triple Crown, but now it's too late. You know, it's been already been ruled out. Yeah, I mean, it would be a massive asterisk by that Triple Crown anyway but yeah supposedly at the moment so the preakness has delayed the draw because they're waiting to see what sort of the final conclusion of all of this is but as of today as of the time of recording the plan is that it will still race but that baffert is suspended so baffert won't be there but that uh but yeah that the horse itself will be there and taking part yeah, that's the dumb thing about this as well. Is the obviously his comment is ridiculous about the kind of peeing on hay, but he then blames the kind of cancel culture. And one of the things he said about it was that you know when it wins, horses aren't in a bubble. You know, horses go um, horses horses go up and congratulate the other horse. You know, people go up, they pat the horse, they congratulate the horse. It's like all of these people might have had this drug on them, and it just seems that every time this happens, he blames everyone <laughs> Again, that is not but him. <laughs> Like, when but, does but he it's take like, responsibility? It's ridiculous. No, but I mean, like, this is, it's also, horses are massive. And the absorption rate would have to be like 700% for this idea that someone could just, oh, I've just rubbed a bit of Bengay on my hands or whatever. And then I've gone and touched this horse. Yeah, what are these and, people doing before they touch the horse as well? <laughs> it's as if like a requirement to get on the track after the Kentucky Derby is to first dip your hands in an illegal <laughs> substance. substance. Like <laughs> in addition to them putting the roses over it, like that's part of the, like the, all of the celebration. If, if you go to congratulate the, the horse, it's like, you're just being prepped for surgery and you got like your hands up. <laughs> yeah, It's like the anti-COVID just dripping. It's like the anti-COVID thing at the moment, you know, where you put hand sanitizer on it. It's like, excuse me, sir, what illegal substance do you have on? Oh, I've got nothing. Do you have a dispenser or something? <laughs> and if you're a real VIP, they, they dip your, your hands and arms into something extremely illegal. And then you get to just like slide it right up the ass just to really make sure you've definitely got some absorption in there. Really let the horse know that you're there. <laughs> exactly. You've just bonding. It's, it's one of the moves I think of the horse whisperer. <laughs> it's a whole new twist. Just yeah. Sliding his, sliding his hand in and be like, shh, shh, shh. Gonna, It'll be over you're soon. Gonna, you're not going to tell anybody about this. Shh. If you get disqualified, just say someone peed on the hay. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's a joke. I think it makes US horse racing a bit of a joke as well. If I'm honest. Yeah, I mean, the, it already was, but yeah, now even more so. The peeing on the hay, I mean, like, even just admitting that makes you look like a terrible trainer because, like Eddie said, you have 
multi-million dollar horses and you're just letting guys pee all over like where the horse is living it'd be like if you were at, like a tv studio and they were filming a movie and you you walked in and just like peed all over an actor's trailer or something like that you know it's like come on really but i guess we can turn our attentions from one major sporting event that has happened to one that uh you know, we've, we've got a little bit of uh, Olympics action planned coming up to this summer with maybe some special guests coming on to, to preview the preview the event itself and talk about the experience. And now there's growing concerns that the Olympics might not take place as there are ri- a rising number of cases in Tokyo at the moment, COVID cases. And, I, and your favorite person, uh, Frank, hit the headlines uh. today. Osaka for saying that she doesn't feel that the Olympics should go ahead, which given as she is one of Japan's most famous athletes, a little bit of a little bit of a blow to the organizers. I would have thought. I don't, I hadn't heard this. I don't know exactly what she said, so I don't want to get on her for misinterpreting what you're saying. She said, but it's a lot different for a multi-million dollar tennis player whose career has nothing to do with the Olympics, be okay with canceling the Olympics uh, if you, if versus... You I'll tell you what she said. So okay. she said, I'm an athlete, and of course, my immediate thought is that I want to play in the Olympics. But as a human, I would say we're in a pandemic, and if people aren't healthy, and if they're not feeling safe, then it's definitely a really big cause for concern. And then she was asked if it would be appropriate to stage the games during a pandemic, and she said, to be honest, I'm not really sure. And then went on to say, I've never played an Olympic event, so it's not like I would, have, I would have anything to compare it to. I would feel, of course, definitely a bit sad, but at the end of the day, it's an honor to play in the Olympics in the first place. And if that's what keeps people healthy, then I'm up for playing behind closed doors. Yeah, see, I mean, it's a little different than kind of what I thought she would have said, but it's a very generic statement of a Let's be safe. I don't want to miss it because I'd really like it, but let's be safe. You know, you're really not saying anything in what yeah. she really didn't say anything in what she just said. But I mean, at a point, you have to start looking at the research and seeing what's happened. I mean, you have ma- major sports organizations that have been continued to play in places that are affected with COVID and are still doing fine. And that's not the reason for the spread of that disease. And I get, is it a little disrespectful to be participating in an Olympics when there's people suffering, but they've been doing that for a year and a half with sports. And I think that kind of sports can help people in a way because they want to see sports and it gives them hope and and things like that. So I think some of that can be said that the Olympics is a little bit different though, right? The Olympics is different to saying the NFL continuing or the Premier League continuing because the Olympics is literally people coming from all over the world, some of whom will be, semi-professional to amateur like truly amateur athletes from backgrounds where they are you're not going to guarantee that all of these people will have sort of quarantined for the necessary period of time or been vaccinated or taken the tests necessary to be sure that when they are then entering that village that they are perfectly perfectly safe and the logistics of ensuring that everyone entering that is safe would be a massive undertaking on a scale that Premier League or the NFL have not faced. You're right. It is a massive undertaking, but they've had an additional year and they have probably a lot more people hired than for instance, like the NFL has hired to do that. Like I, I agree. It is 
difficult logistically, but I think it's still feasible, especially with the amount of people that will have been vaccinated by August. Is, right? is that what it is? Uh, July 23rd, it kicks off. Well, opening ceremony. Okay, July so 23rd. End, of, end of July. Now, Osaka seems unsure as to whether or not she will play. But it, one athlete who almost ruled herself out was Serena Williams, who said that uh, she hasn't been thinking about it a lot because obviously it was delayed by a year anyway. So it, it hasn't been firmly on her radar. But in addition to that, said it was unlikely because she has never spent more than 24 hours without her daughter and taking part in the Olympics would require that she do so. And so on that basis, it's unlikely that she would take part, which I don't want to knock anyone for wanting to spend time with their children. But, but. but <laughs> I also do like this luxury that professional athletes at, at, at this high of a level have where they're able to balance raising a child and having their career and making ungodly sums of money. Like the average person out there will spend more than 24 hours away from their child at some time, simply out of necessity. And it seems it's kind of your, your child's upbringing is not going to be ruined because you went and took part in the Olympics for two weeks. Yeah. Now I say this, I'm also not a parent, nor am I an expert on raising children, but it does seem crazy to me. Like I spent plenty of, there were plenty of periods in my, my, my life as a kid where I spent more than 24 hours away from my parents, even at two or three years old. Yeah. And I mean, well, that's the crazy part. I, I, I mean, her kid is 13 years old. I mean, I think at this point, <laughs> like it shouldn't be that big of an issue. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at what stage? That, that's the interesting question. At what stage is he then going to have that more than twenty? Because like when 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 the kid wants to go out to do a sleepover, is it like yeah, a just timed gonna, event? So that, well, they'll sleep over. So as they well. have to. The parents yeah, will have a sleepover. Style. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, I, I, it's as you say, it's a complete luxury that you can kind of sit on sponsorship and never play tennis again, and you would be absolutely fine. Versus someone that kind of has to go out and do it. So she's not in well, any way bothered about the virus. No, well, no. I, I mean, I don't know. Right? These are just. This is an article put together of clips of statements. So I don't want to say that that this was a a full expression of any of their concerns about the situation. The on the Serena Williams topic as a mother, the thing that bothers me a little bit about it, and I'm sure she isn't intending it to sound this way, but it almost sets an unrealistic standard for parents in general, right? That like, oh, if you have to spend time away from your child, you're a bad parent. Like the ideal parent is constantly around their kid. So if if you're not like me and you're not making $50 million a year and you can't just fly your kid around with you whenever you have to go on a business trip, which is basically like if I imagine like when I was growing up, it's as if every time my dad had gone on a business trip, he would have been like, by the way, can you throw in a first class ticket for my three-year-old at the same time? Because like he goes everywhere I go. Like that's that's basically the situation that she's building, and to me, it's kind of it, it, and I'm sure she doesn't mean it that way, but it seems almost a it's totally out of touch with reality. B it seems semi judgmental, in the sense of like you're saying like this is under no circumstances would I spend time away from my child. Doing so would make me a bad parent. The implication being there, obviously, that people who spend more than 24 hours away from their child are bad parents. But also. She's never saying this about like 
any Open, like the US Open, Australian Open. This is the Olympics she's talking about. Has she ever said those similar comments for any Open No, but her child goes with her. So the child her, goes her, with her, her and spends all this time. Yeah, but wow. they can't go in the Olympic Village. That's mm. the point, right? So it's a very different experience. Mm. Yeah, I don't but, like... Yeah, I, when, I she don't goes, really when she goes to the Australian Open, her kid goes with her. That doesn't surprise me that bit. But how long... So the kid can't be in the Olympic Village with them. Is there no like no. thing for families? I thought there was a thing for families. No, no, you don't just you don't just rock up with your entire family. No, but and just I thought, stay you, in the I thought there was a capacity for families to be in the village. No, I think they can come in. I mean, we spoke to uh, Frank Molinar mm. about this. Yeah. He said people could come and visit you, but you can't. Mm. You're not going to just. They're not going to multiply. Once someone goes like, "I've got thirteen kids." Okay, yeah, they can all come and live in the Olympic Village for three weeks. Now, I wonder if you have to stay in the Olympic Village. That is the question I think is a, is a better alternative. The implication from this, this is year, that you probably. do. Yeah. This year, you probably definitely <laughs> do. Got a bubble it. The, implica- the implication from this is that you might have to anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So there's no fans this year, though, is there? Not even local fans. In the stadium, it hasn't Olympics. been decided. Because hmm. I saw that the popularity for the Olympics in Japan is like massively low at the moment. I think they did a recent survey in Tokyo where like eighty percent of the people surveyed don't want it to go ahead. They want it to be cancelled because they just feel like all it's going to do is negatively affect the spread of the virus. Um, so it's quite interesting perception, right? That the locals don't want it because they feel like it's going to be detrimental to their recovery from the COVID pandemic. But yet it's the, it's kind of the Japanese Olympic Committee and the IOC that are desperate for it to go ahead because sponsorship issues, termination fees for any sort of broadcasting rights, that kind of thing. I'm wondering what the true kind of balancing act that's going on here. Is it like the show has to go on simply because it was cancelled last year? Or are they actually even listening to kind of people on the ground that just don't want it there because of COVID? Well, I would suppose the issue is not not even getting in because like the financial side of it gets complicated because who knows what insurance policies and stuff that they have. But at a certain moment in time, if this this Olympics doesn't go ahead this summer, you may as well just scrap it and suddenly the next Olympics is the next Olympics because there's a certain moment in time where it's like you're not going to have back-to-back Olympic years. So there there comes a time when just the pragmatic decision is, well – that was a two-year window for this Olympics to take place in. Now we're just moving on to Paris. Yeah, that would unbelievably suck for kind of athletes that have spent years for that specific moment in their career and for it to not happen. Yeah, that must really, that would be a or, hammer blow. Or maybe maybe they'll move it from Tokyo to Wembley. <laughs> now, if you, go, if you want the really big news, though, from the European football, it comes from Germany which obviously not been the most exciting title race, not even been the most exciting race at the bottom just because Schalke have been so bad. But in Bundesliga 2, Holsten Kiel, who I may not be saying correctly, are currently second in the table on course to potentially be promoted. And if they do so, they they have never played in the Bundesliga before. I always think it's interesting when you get teams promoted to the top division who've never, when you consider how old the leagues are and at some moment in time, almost everyone who's kind of there or thereabouts has appeared for a season or two. 
it's always interesting to see a, a team make it there where it is would be their first time ever sort of in the big leagues. Yeah, that must be awesome. I think it happened recently, uh, not in the Bundesliga with someone like St. Pauli or something like that. I think when they first came up and the fans were really like militant about it and it was fantastic to watch this team, like Eddie says, where they've just been nowhere near the big time and all of a sudden then they're hosting Bayern, Dortmund, got all these fantastic teams around them it must be that must be a great feeling compared to like West Brom where I think they just broke the Premier League record as being the first team to be relegated five times from the Premier League or something like that I think they've just so that's their unwanted give them an A for effort second team (laughs) I think Norwich also have been Uh, relegated five times joined joined them up in the uh, unwanted records pile no it's true but uh it's an unwanted record, but it's also kind of a compliment, right? Because you have to get there to be relegated. There's a lot of teams that would would take this five relegations because it means you've had five promotions. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, just being able to get promoted in the first place is tough. So to be able to get knocked down and then get up and oh, get re-promoted I thought, again. I thought you were going full Chumbawamba then, but you wouldn't like a really different... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, Sam Allardyce is the Chumbawamba of, of real football managers. That actually kind of suits. I think that really suits him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, so did you all see the European Super League fines that were dished out for, um, what was it, nine of the 12 clubs, I guess? So um, their punishment from UEFA, punishment, um, was that they have to make a combined 15 million collective donation to good causes and they lose 5% wow. of their revenue. So this is a combined. So nine clubs playing 15 million. And Joel Glazer's come out and said he's paying Man U's part of that. So How it's easy tough is as a it going to be yeah. for them to funnel it back into their own like investments somehow and then yeah. just have it funnel right yeah. back into it's, them? Come on, that's too easy. Too easy. It's, it's, it's a ridiculously tame... And they had to sign up to this like... UEFA code of conduct thing where they'll get a pretty massive fine if they do this again, which clearly they're not going to, or they'll do it again when they're powerful. But the interesting side of this is the three that haven't gone against this Super League. So the three clubs, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Juventus, didn't sign up to this. They didn't agree to this punishment or sign up to this code of conduct that UEFA wants people to sign up to. And um, they're now being disciplinary threatened by UEFA. But the interesting one is that Serie A put a rule in place that if the if you've joined a league or you've announced that you're joining a league that isn't recognized by FIFA, then you're not entitled to play in the Italian domestic competition. And at the moment, Juventus still haven't left the Super League. And as such, if they register for Serie A still in the Super League and they have renounced it, signed up to UEFA's charter and punishments of sorts, then they won't play in Serie A. Um, yeah, yeah, right. It's they'll just get a sixteen point five million euro fine instead. I mean, yeah. like, it's I can't imagine it happening. But Serie A is the league where it's happened, right? With the kind of corruption scandals and things like that. It's yeah, they relegated them before. They've relegated them. But... AC Milan got relegated. Juventus have been relegated. So well, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, I. I'm skeptical. I, of course, they're going to be fine, but uh, interesting that they're still holding out on this those three clubs, Perez, Agnelli, and Bartomeu, whatever he's called. Interesting that they're still 
fully of the belief that this is going ahead or I don't really know what they're holding out for, right? Told you, Sam, they need some people out there to keep the idea alive. And then meanwhile, <laughs> we'll congratulate the Glazers for paying the fine on behalf of Manchester United. And we'll talk about how great Stan Gronke is because he'll do something nice. And, you know, whoever else will weigh in and pay something or, you know, build some underprivileged kids stadium, you know, who knows what will happen. I should probably phrase that better as a stadium for un- underprivileged kids. Well, in fairness, we're, we're, the Qatar world cup is going to be stadiums built out of underprivileged kids, but this, this might be a bit better, but the, the, uh, you know, and but meanwhile, the Real Madrid and Barcelona and Juventus will just keep the idea alive until until it materializes three or four seasons from now. Oh, can't blame their commit. Can't falter their commitment to it. At least, unlike those English clubs that just bailed in forty eight hours because of all that pointless fan pressure. No, 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 no. <laughs> Don't try and. Say, I wasn't saying the fan pressure was pointless. What I'm saying is that the they don't care about the fans. That's not why they, you know, they realize that the, the idea itself was not viable in the current climate, but it's not because they've suddenly realized how important fans are. They're not going to be consulting fans ahead of you. I mean, I know Chelsea have put three fans on their board or something like that. That's dangerous. I mean, <laughs> it's no, they don't have any power. That's the, that's what makes it even, it's just, it's just having three fans sit in on board meetings. That's basically that's what's. Which, I mean, could there be anything duller than it, on paper? It probably sounds interesting to sit on like a football club to sit in on a football club's board meeting, but it's probably just the most boring thing on earth. While they debate like really dull things about the infrastructure of the club or how different things are being handled, and you've just got to sit there and in your cheap suit pretending that you fit in for the two and a half hours it goes on for i love that it's a cheap suit i love the, <laughs> the anticipation of oh he's got a rip on the common yeah. man eddie is eddie loves to rip on the common i just promise they're gonna look out of place it's gonna be them and some russian you know like like pals of oligarchs i'm sure you're not gonna guy thinking like his watch costs more than your house now the other big sporting event from the weekend was canelo who came back to fight and, and won with an eighth round stoppage in a fight in which there has been a little bit of uh, controversy because when they released the scorecards, all three judges had Canelo ahead by more, by a, a, a larger margin that would have been expected based on how the fight itself had gone. And obviously boxing a little bit like us horse racing is never far from accusations of corruption and bribery. But the only, whilst the fight itself wasn't super interesting, I did like that Canelo, um, prior in the kind of build up to this fight, when then discussing the Paul brothers and their boxing careers, advised them to stay away from fighting serious boxers because they could get themselves killed. And that if they wanted to, at any moment, moment in time, experience what it was really like to kind of fight a real boxer whilst he didn't have the time to get in the ring and fight them in an actual like scheduled fight that they could happily come and spar with him at any moment in time. And that again, 
he would take it easy on them because there was a risk that he could just kill them in the ring. See, now I was going to stop you halfway through and say, this isn't boxing news if it's not Paul Brothers related, but it ended up being a Paul Brothers related story. So we're good to talk about it and discuss how stupid they are. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and I kind of did the way he handled the questions, I think was pretty good. And he did genuinely seem concerned for them that like you're going to get sooner. His basic opinion was that they were pissing off too many people within the fighting community as a whole. And that sooner or later they were going to get in a ring with someone who literally they were not in a position to defend themselves against. Now, Sam, who's been degraded more boxers by the Paul brothers or DK Metcalf or runners (laughs) by DK Metcalf? No, the Paul brothers are absolutely destroying boxing. Like they're just making it a joke. I find they're just two people that have just turned up, got buff and fighting select people based on like showmanship or something like that. Uh, this is the point, right? They, if they went into a ring with someone who genuinely just wanted to beat the shit out of them, I agree. They could really get hurt. I See, the thing is, I don't think but they, they think won't. that. They never will. No, but that's I why don't it's think a they, joke. I think they, but I think they think they're good boxers. I think no, I think they're smarter than that. I think they know they're playing the system. I think their PR teams are smarter than that, but I'm not sure they are. I well, think someone if, who's organizing the fights knows enough to be able to manipulate this system where they pretend like they can look good by beating up MMA fighters who are 50 pounds overweight that were never boxers to begin with or someone else who thinks they're a fighter, but they're really not like I, I don't think they think they so you think if an actual boxer. So if Anthony Joshua called them up and said, let's make it happen, you think they say no? Absolutely. They say no. Do you think they say yes? Yeah, I think they say yes. No, I'd love to see that. I think they say yes. Well, it's not the same weight class, though, is it? (laughs) That doesn't stop them. I mean, he's fighting Mayweather. He's like six inches taller than Floyd Mayweather. Like it's a (laughs) yeah, but that's the other way. (laughs) It's the other way. Like it's this is going to be an interesting test in some respects, right? Because I've had debates with friends before. Like, would I get in the ring with Floyd Mayweather now? Eddie, you've talked about it on the talked podcast. About it with, are, we the, are we the friends? These are our friends. <laughs> we're the friends. No. No, we're, we're the colleagues. <laughs> Work associates. Now, I don't think Floyd Mayweather is going to take it. Like, he's going to put on a show, right? He's not just going to get in the ring and try and finish it as quickly as possible. And he's also not got knockout power for the most part. I will be interested to see. Because my argument always was just like the size advantage and power advantage that you might be able to get would be huge. Like everything points in Paul's favor fundamentally. Like this is See, this not is a. Where I, 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 I can disagree with you till like the end of time for this because I get that they're much bigger. And yes, you also are much bigger than Floyd Mayweather. But Floyd Mayweather has been working on his punching arms for decades decades so like just because you're bigger doesn't mean that you can throw a punch harder than someone who's trained 20 plus years in throwing punches well yeah and he's punched a lot of women so he's got a lot of practice in it too (laughs) so (laughs) i i haven't i haven't been practicing either in the ring or out of the ring quite as much as he has been well he's one to 33 mayweather to win this fight which I'm pretty sure when we spoke about this like a month ago, he was one to 50. 
So is there is there money? Yeah. Are we are we getting people the are listening to me? <laughs> what are the odds on Paul? And when is this fight? Isn't it soon? Isn't... It's pretty soon. Yes, yeah. the sixth of June, uh, nine to one on Logan. Might have to throw a little bit on that. On Logan Paul. Well, I, I guess you you, you, you have to throw your money where your mouth is, right? With this one. If you no, I couldn't. The, the only reason I couldn't do it is because I genuinely could not. I do not want to be in a situation where I'm remotely happy if one of the Paul brothers won a fight. Like that to me, it's it's just like voting for evil almost. So I don't, I couldn't do it. It's the same way I couldn't have bet on Trump to win an election. I, you know, like you win the money, it would have felt like dirty money. I would have had to just set it on fire. All that digital currency, just set your laptop on fire. <laughs> yeah, just throw my laptop out of the window. I think the money's gone now. <laughs> oh shit, it's still in my account. I'll have to throw my phone away now too. Just you setting oh, it's still there. Just you melting loads of stuff around the house, just trying to get rid of your digital track. Yeah. Exactly. But no, um, look, I, I fully expect Floyd Mayweather to win, but at a certain moment, there is a reason why there are weight classes in boxing, right? Like there was, there's reasons behind those and, and maybe Logan Paul might just have enough of a reach and power advantage to give him a chance. I see your point. Like it would be the idea of like Tyson Fury and Mayweather, just Tyson Fury, just like just top down on the head, just like hitting Floyd Mayweather. It's that kind well, of Well, I mean, thought. here's a question. That's not even using Tyson Fury or like uh, anyone who's been a heavyweight world champion. Like how do you think Flo- Floyd Mayweather would beat any sort of legitimate professional heavyweight boxer? Like if he got in a ring against the guy who... You know, Tyson Fury beats easily just as a warm-up fight. Does Floyd Mayweather beat him? Probably not still, because just the power and the reach and the size. So, like, how low down the heavyweight level would you have to drop before Floyd before Floyd Mayweather becomes the favorite? Probably you'd have to drop to professional versus amateur YouTuber who's trained for two years. <laughs> yeah, just, but we'll find it. We'll find out, right? <laughs> But and I I don't even know how tall is I mean Logan Paul's much taller than him but I don't actually know he's listed at he's pretty he's so tall that he had to bend over to take his hat off in that no that was Jake that was Jake style. Paul that was Jake Paul oh, that was his okay. brother he's listed at six three I think and his reach so. is one hundred ninety three centimeters and what's Floyd Mayweather's. 183. So a 10 centimeter reach advantage. Pretty sizable. I mean, again, I, I expect Floyd Mayweather to win, but like there is a certain moment at time in time. And here the other, like, does this end Logan Paul's career? Like, does he only have, I mean, I know he lost to KSI, so he's lost to YouTubers before, but does his kind of professional boxing career get ended the moment he loses a sort of professional a fight against a real boxer. KSI is genuinely a boxer though, isn't he? From like his past. Like he genuinely did like amateur boxing, I believe. Um, I don't know. Previously. P- people always say that. Yeah. Boxing is one of those things. Whenever you meet someone, they're like, yeah, yeah. It was like golden gloves or whatever. Like it's one of those, you can make the, no one can ever verify it. 
And as long as the other person, it wasn't also a boxer, you kind of have like the, no one can really call you on it at all. Right. So it's one of those things. Like when I was 16, I was a really good boxer. Yeah. I I, I trained at a boxing gym. Yeah. And you did, you find out it was like two months and they never actually got in the ring. They just did jump rope outside. (laughs) And as long as you've got enough of the terminology down to sound like, you know what you're talking about, you're fine. Yeah. My, my issue with the Mayweather pool situation is that I just feel like the whole thing's staged. So going back to your point of, you know, is that the end of his career is like, I think they've probably worked out the amount of rounds where Paul can lose, but say, oh, look how close that was with the best. I've got to keep going kind of thing. And Mayweather's like, look how easily I dominated those four rounds or whatever they go for. It's so easy kind of thing. So that they both come out with like, we had this fight, but we're still fine. I mean, Mayweather kind of did that to McGregor, Mm. right? Like he, he kind of toyed with McGregor in the opening rounds and people who were watching, I remember watching that with people because that was the same thing that brought so many people into the fight world who never really watched boxing. So I remember being there watching the fight and then feeling like, oh, McGregor's winning this. It's like Mayweather has him right where he wants him. Like just because he's not landing power punches on him in the first few rounds. Like it's not what Mayweather does. Like he is just happily letting you expend your energy, kind of toying with you. You're missing most of your pun, like most of your throws, like nothing's really happening in the fight and okay maybe you you edged one one or two rounds 10-9 but you're not he's not concerned by that he knows over the course of the, the length of the fight he's going to win the fight yeah so like i'm sure that yes it's going to be at least 6 or 7 rounds paul will win a couple of them just sort of by default because mayweather won't do a lot but then eventually mayweather will win but that's every Mayweather fight ever. Yeah. Just just remember, you know, Mayweather's, you know, there's still some bigger fish to fry here for Logan Paul. There's Ricky Hatton. I mean, he took Mayweather 10 rounds. <laughs> oh, I would like to see Ricky Hatton fight Logan Paul. That one I'd be... I would love that. <laughs> that now, that would be entertaining. That one, because you know Ricky Hatton, if he decided to do it, it would be a mission to actually knock To kill them. them. Just yeah. to kill them. <laughs> Now, it would depend how seriously it took it, because you could get fat Ricky Hatton turning up, and then <laughs> I, he might lose. I love the idea of not knowing which year of Ricky yeah. Hatton. It's like, are we going to get kind of like boxer spirit Ricky Hatton at uh, top of his game, or are we going to get fat Ricky Hatton? <laughs> well, no, but I mean, that even during his career, right, in between fights, he got super fat. Like, that was his thing. Yeah. Because he said he used to hang out at the pub and play darts all day. Yeah. It's like, but what I would do? Love- and do cocaine, but <laughs> which it was impressive. He got oh. as fat as he did while doing cocaine. Like that, that shows his dedication to alcohol that he was still managing to pile on the pounds with a cocaine issue. But the, the, the like, <laughs> but I think if they if they prepped for that fight, Ricky Hatton should just go into like go to a train like remote training in you know like Peru or whatever where there was no media, and then what would like no media monks in like Nepal or something. Well, you know, like when they go and do the the altitude training or whatever, but he he does it with no press or media surrounding him, and there's no build up to the fight. There's the way in is behind closed doors, and then just the first time you see Ricky Hatton in like ten months is when he walks out in like on into the ring. Still fat. And that's when you get to see. <laughs> that's when you get to see. Like, are we getting fat Ricky Hatton? Or are we getting in shape Ricky Hatton? And that would be. 
that would just be the betting would like immediately suspend in reaction just to what how his physical appearance was i love it a market before the fight it's great i'm all for it how much will ricky weigh that could be a huge a market bite like over under well, he's got to weigh a certain amount <laughs> for no because if well no because if you're the logan paul or jake paul whichever okay. one's fighting them you encourage him to be overweight there is no way you would say this fight doesn't go ahead if you're if you're not if you're over 200 pounds or whatever like they're gonna be like if you turn up and you're 350 cool like perfect wow. that's the ricky Hedden i want to see all right well is there any other sports topics from this weekend i don't think so all right well talk to you boys later yep see you cheerio